the wake of what's happened over the last year and a half, I think there is a, a strong argument to be made that the time has come for us to blow the door off of the school choice program and uh, give parents vouchers to then pick and choose a school system that actually works best for their sons and daughters. Let's create a marketplace of competition within within education and allow allow schools to compete. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. Today, our guest was elected to the Wisconsin State Senate in November of 2017, representing the 24th State Senate District. He was re-elected to a second term in 2020. The 24th District includes parts of Portage, Adams, Jackson, Trempolo, and Monroe counties. Recently, he announced his candidacy for Lieutenant Governor. Welcome back to Fact Check. Pat Teston, how are you? Doing well. Great to be on. So tell us why you want to be lieutenant governor. Yeah, one of the reasons why I decided to get into the race for lieutenant governor is that it has become abundantly clear to me that just having the majority, um, having the majority isn't enough. In fact, uh, despite the fact that we've been able to keep an agenda that I think would take um, Wisconsin on a radically different course, had Governor Evers had his way, you think about it, the fact that when he has introduced budgets with billion-dollar tax increases, we instead sent him budgets with billion-dollar tax cuts. And we have proven that uh, conservative governance is good government here in the state, that we can cut taxes and still make historic investments in K-12 education, health care, and our infrastructure. However, despite that, uh, far too many Wisconsinites are still suffering because of this administration. When you take a look at the fact that Um, He shut down our economy with a single stroke of a pen, shut down our schools. We have tens of thousands of Wisconsin children who have fallen behind because they haven't had the opportunity to be in a classroom to get a quality education from in-person instruction. And the fact, when you take a look at the debacles with our unemployment insurance, uh, we still have constituents uh, here in the state a year and a half later that have yet to receive their unemployment compensation because they were told they couldn't work. And and when you take a look at what this governor did uh, with our law enforcement, essentially turned their back on them, Wisconsin deserves better, and there is a better way forward. And that is why I hope to help whoever our, our gubernatorial nominee is to get them across the finish line and get Wisconsin back on the right track. So when Rebecca Clayfish was lieutenant governor, she focused on small business and attracting new businesses to our state. Do you have an idea as to how you would shape the role of lieutenant governor? Yeah, that is certainly a, a, a great question because uh, on paper, the office of lieutenant governor is really a, a minimal office. However, um, when you take a look at someone like Rebecca Clayfish, I think she's really transformed what that office can be and what it can do. Uh, from her work to highlight small businesses and attract businesses to the state. That's certainly an approach that I want to take as well. And then take it a step further. We need to be much more proactive when we deal with some of the issues that we face as a state. It's very easy for us to only look two years ahead, four years ahead, because that coincides with the next election. But we need to think bigger. Because when you take a look at our demographic challenges, our population that is 65 or older is set to increase exponentially over the course of the next several years, So we need to do everything that we can to retain our workforce, and that starts within the classroom. We need to create more uh, opportunities to get hands-on experience, expand youth apprenticeship programs, 
and to give students um, real-world experience and to break the, nar- the narrative that you don't necessarily have to go to a four-year college to get a good career because um, with our population that's aging, it's going to put a huge strain on different systems, whether it's our Medicaid budget, our long-term care facilities, but also in various sectors such as manufacturing, agriculture, and, and even uh, our supply chain as it relates to our truck drivers. It seems that Governor Evers doesn't support law enforcement. At least that's the way it seems to me. He's been critical of them. He's made statements that I think are irresponsible. He left Kenosha to be burned by rioters, causing over $50 million in damages. What can we do better to support law enforcement in Wisconsin? Yeah, well, I think you're spot on with your assessment. It is obvious that this governor and this administration do not support our men and women who walk the thin blue line every single day. Because in whether it was the riots in Madison, in which case someone, we don't know who, told the police to stand down while businesses were burned, statues were ripped off their pedestals, decapitated and dumped in Lake Mendota. And then the most egregious was what happened with Kenosha, where Um, where he made a flippant comment and decided that he was going to determine the validity of a case without having all the facts before him and instead would rather bend the knee to the radical left than wait for all the facts to come out to issue calm. And so it's very unfortunate. In fact, uh, uh, last summer I had a a phone call with the governor after he released his so-called police reform package, which amounted to several bills that essentially had the governor had his way. He would rather tie the hands of law enforcement behind their back as opposed to let law enforcement go and handcuff the bad guys. We need to make sure that our law enforcement officers have the resources they need to uh, ensure that we have safe communities. When you take a look at what's going on right now in places like Madison and Milwaukee, we have a huge surge in crime. And I think that's one of the primary reasons why now the Milwaukee Police Association endorsed my candidacy for lieutenant governor because they know that I stand with our men and women in law enforcement, and we are going to do everything that we can to give them the resources that they need to protect our streets. Can you give us an idea of what some of those resources might be? Yeah, I think primarily, you know, we've seen this in um, what the governor recently did with some of the ARPA dollars he wanted to spend, or he's going to spend upwards of 25 to 40 million to study crime, which I think is absolutely absurd. What we should be doing is what can we do to, one, ensure that our law enforcement officers have equipment like body cameras so they provide an extra layer of accountability and safety for law enforcement. Uh, Two, we need to make sure that we have more officers on the street, Uh, whether it's the state troopers, whether it's Uh, The Milwaukee Police Department, they've had a huge decline in um, new recruits, primarily because there's an atmosphere right now, uh, both at the federal level in the Biden administration and with the Evers administration, that doesn't really respect the profession. Well, really, does it look like an attractive option to anyone right now, given those circumstances? I don't blame them. No, I, I don't either. And so... Um, We need to instill that trust, that confidence, and that respect into our law enforcement officers if if we're going to ensure that we have enough men and women on patrol in our communities. And the other thing, too, that I'd like to see done is um, to have more resources uh, for training opportunities, especially for smaller departments. Um, You know, that seems to be one theme where both Republicans and Democrats have 
had some agreement on. There was a bipartisan task force in the assembly led by Representative Sheila Stubbs and Jim Steinecke, and they came up with some very good recommendations that I think can serve as a, a blueprint for, for how we can move forward. Many people believe that the elections in Wisconsin were corrupted. Uh, the legislature's passed bills to address some of the problems, but Governor Evers has vetoed all of those bills. What are the most important problems that we need to fix with elections in Wisconsin? There, there is no question that 2020 was a unprecedented year, and there were some forces at work that used the environment to their advantage and took advantage of what I would consider some uh, liberal interpretations of our state statutes when it comes to elections. The fact that the Wisconsin Elections Commission, uh, they gave out what I would consider highly questionable guidance to local clerks and to give them the ability to rehabilitate absentee ballots, that needs to be addressed. That was one of the bills that got vetoed by Governor Evers. Well, well, in fact, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled on December 14th of 2020 WEC did, in fact, improperly instruct clerks as it related to indefinitely confined elector status, where about 200,000 people were able to get absentee ballots without providing an ID. So, so that's, that's one example of where WEC really went off the rails. Oh, 100%, because prior to uh, November of 2020, we had roughly 57,000 individuals who were listed as indefinitely confined. And that's the voter registration status that allows people who are infirm, they can't get out, the ability to uh, vote without having to show ID. However, as you alluded to, uh, over 200,000 were uh, listed as indefinitely confined in the lead up to November 2020. And that's very problematic. There are a host of other issues. The uh, Zuckerbuck groups that came in and ran roughshod over duly elected clerks, because in Wisconsin's constitution, it is our clerks who are uh, given the responsibility to administer and carry out our elections. And those, those basically, just for people who haven't followed that story, those were basically Democrat get-out-the-vote campaigns in the five largest cities in Wisconsin, which overwhelmingly vote Democrat, Right. That's correct. It was the Big Five, Green Bay, Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee, and Madison. And so we had a bill that would put an end to that. Unfortunately, that got vetoed. The ballot harvesting events that took place in places like Madison and Milwaukee that are a clear violation of Wisconsin law, uh, those got vetoed. And so, unfortunately, you know, we have done our part as a legislature to raise this issue and send these bills to the governor. However, he has vetoed those bills, which is why I think it's critically important for anyone who is frustrated over what happened in November of 2020. Well, we need then to elect a Republican administration in 2022. So then hopefully the legislature will pass those bills again and the governor will sign those bills early on in January of 2023. And I know a lot of people will say, well, why should we even bother if we can't get these done now? They're just going to do it all over again. Well, that's not the case because we are going to have a lot more eyes on the ground. That's why anywhere I go, I encourage people, if you have any concerns about what happened in 2020 and you haven't signed up to be a poll worker or you haven't signed up to be a poll observer, then that's on you. Right. That's a really good point, Pat, because that's a major initiative of the Republican Party in Wisconsin. 
So I would say to anybody who believes there was fraud in the November election, you should contact your county Republican Party and tell them you want to be a paid poll worker because by law, the Republican Party gets to name half of the the paid poll workers. So you're paid to do this. Uh, so if you think there was fraud, you should contact your, your local Republican Party and become a poll worker. Hey, you, earlier in the conversation, you talked about education in Wisconsin. And education has been receiving historic levels of funding. The last budget increased K-12 through spending by over $600 million. That's over a two-year two period of time. The current budget, when we include federal dollars, is over a $2.5 billion increase in funding for education in our state. And at the same time, I just received a notice from the La Crosse School District that they've seen over a 20% decline in enrollment since 2002. How can we better spend money on education in our state? It seems to me like we just keep throwing truckloads of money at the public education system. What can we do to actually improve results in our state? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And full disclosure, and I've been supportive of the increases that we put in the K-12 education. However, if I had had it my way, there would be some more uh, criteria to go along with that. So that way, as you mentioned, we aren't just throwing money at the wall and see, to see what sticks, because you're absolutely 100% correct in the sense that uh, per pupil right now, we, have, we are spending more money than we ever had before at a time when enrollment continues to decline and test scores remain rather stagnant. In fact, what concerns me is that roughly 25 to 30% of all high school graduates that enroll at the UW system have to take a remedial course. So that just goes to show that they, they weren't necessarily ready for college when they graduated, which is problematic because we shouldn't be having conversations of, well, how can we lower the bar so everyone can um, you know, be treated uh, the same way? We should be raising the bar and given the opportunity for our students to meet those challenges. And more importantly, in the wake of what's happened over the last year and a half, I think there is a, a strong argument to be made that the time has come for us to blow the door off of the school choice program and uh, give parents vouchers to then pick and choose a school system that actually works best for their sons and daughters. Let's create a marketplace of competition within, within education and allow, allow schools to compete. And I think that's going to yield better results because um, it's going to determine whether or not what schools are successful, and it's going to ensure that we have that healthy competition. And more importantly, uh, we're providing the best results for our students, which at the end of the day, that's what this is about, providing world-class education for our students so they can be successful when they graduate and go on to either college or two-year tech colleges or directly into the workforce. Yeah, it's the purest form of accountability. We agree with you completely. Pat Teston, thank you so much for joining us today on Fact Check. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I'm Bill Fian. And I'm Jen O'Brien. And this was another episode of Fact Check. You can join the conversation on our Facebook group, Fact Check Wisdom with Bill Fian, Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.